Do you suffer with chronic pain? Are you taking risky, over-the-counter, or prescription anti-inflammatory drugs? This is Dr. Ronald Hopp with a better natural solution from Future Farm Botanicals. Liquid Turmeric Liposome Complex. Future Farm's liquid turmeric with liposomes and nanotechnology delivers maximum absorption for effective pain relief. Sourced and manufactured in the United States, this product contains 1,600 milligrams of curcumin and powerful antioxidant properties. This plant-based curcumin is used to possibly reduce inflammation, block proteins that trigger swelling, and intercept inflammatory pathways, significantly decreasing inflammatory responses. For more information and to order, call 888-841-7216, 888-841-7216, or go to myfuturefarm.com slash Hoffman. That's future P-H-A-R-M, myfuturefarm.com slash Hoffman. Don't live with pain when there's an all-natural, science-based remedy that works. myfuturefarm.com slash Hoffman, myfuturefarm.com slash Hoffman. Welcome back to today's Intelligent Medicine Podcast. It is time for Q&A with Layla. More questions sent our way via radio program at AOL.com. And so what's next, Layla? We have a question from Paul. Hi, Dr. Hoffman and Layla. What is your opinion of hydrogen water, water infused with H2 gas? Claims are made for athletic and immune system benefits. Well, I found a wonderful article in the Natural Medicine Journal called Going Beyond the Hype of Hydrogen Water. A new randomized double blind. Let me tell you about that article. Yes. Yeah, because I got a query from Natural Medicine Journal uh-huh. about that. Like, what what do you think of hydrogen water? I said, I, I'm not the world's expert on that, but I will point you to the right person. Yes. Who is Dr. Dana Cohen, Doc- who ended up writing that exactly. article. Exactly. Dr. And Dana Cohen and so Carolyn Gazella. I, I yes. didn't answer, but I was responsible for getting yeah. the right answer because... Fabulous. Fabulous. So, this is by Dr. Dana Cohen and Carolyn Gazella. New randomized double blinds. Control trials suggest hydrogen water can increase antioxidant capacity and reduce inflammation. Here's what they did. They took 38 healthy adults aged 20 to 59 years old. They completed the trial. They were randomly assigned to the plain water group, 18 people, and the hydrogen water group, which was 20 people. At baseline, when the study started, there was no statistical difference in age, height, body mass index, daily water intake, or anything like that. What they measured was antioxidant capacity and, and other like peripheral blood mononuclear cells and things like that. Here's, here were the key findings. This is very interesting. The participants in the hydrogen water group who were over the age of 30, not under the age of 30, showed a significant increase in biological antioxidant potential. Okay. BAP, biological yeah. antioxidant BAP. potential. Mm-hmm compared to the plain water group. But there was no significant effect on BAP in younger individuals in the hydrogen water group compared to plain water. A a marker for DNA damage due to oxidative stress significantly decreased in both groups. That was interesting. But after four weeks, the hydrogen water group showed a significantly lower percentage of peripheral blood mononuclear cells. Uh, apoptosis compared to the plain water group. So, what are the indications of all of this? Well, so yeah. what do you? Why do you what think there they, was a differential between the younger and the older? Because they had they didn't have such a need. They were yeah. the oxidative stress was not 
You know, okay. they were young enough to... They had the repair they had capabilities. The repair yeah. capabilities going on, but okay. they were young enough. So what are the practicing implications? Increasing antioxidant activity, inhibiting apoptosis, inhibiting inflammation, modulating immune regulation, regulating autophagy, mitochondria, and circadian rhythm. All of which are good things. All of which are good things. In addition to hydrogen-rich water... There are hydrogen therapies, including injecting hydrogen saline, inhaling hydrogen gas, using hydrogen eye drops, taking hydrogen-rich water baths. So the scientific community is just now uncovering hydrogen therapies' mechanisms so, of action. So I'm looking at this. Yeah. The, there are pills that they give you called mm -hmm. H2 molecular hydrogen. I'm not sure how you put hydrogen in a pill, but uh, 1895. Then there are devices that make the hydrogen. They're pretty expensive. This one is, you know, a pitcher that costs twelve hundred dollars. Oh. Then there's like a real, like a looks like a dis distillation device, twenty eight hundred dollars. Mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. So make your own hydrogen water. Yeah. Um, you know, it it's regular water with hydrogen gas added. Yeah. Um, you know, it it sounds kind of bogus actually, but there, you know, there may be some benefits to there that. There may be some benefits, yeah. Um, yeah. In th fact, this, this one, yeah. a study yeah. of 49 people with liver cancer showed that drinking hydrogen-rich water for six weeks during radiation therapy could improve quality of life. Okay. Wow. Well, it didn't cure them, but... Yeah. Yeah. Also, with, with regard to metabolic syndrome, a 2010 pilot study involving individuals at risk of developing metabolic syndrome the group drinking hydrogen water had a 39% increase in the antioxidant enzyme superoxide dismutase, SOD. Yeah, that's... Mm -hmm. Yeah. And an 8% increase in HDL cholesterol, which was very, They also very looked at athletic performance. A study yeah. of 10 soccer players showed that drinking hydrogen water may reduce muscle fatigue and muscle function decline. Mm -hmm. I guess the Italian team was using uh, Ah, yes. Water. Right, 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 right. You were following the soccer. The uh. Football, crazy, it's crazy, called crazy in, the, in the rest of the, crazy in the globe, it's called game. football, the original football. Imagine, you know, playing, 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 you know, for hours on it, and then losing the game on penalty kicks. No problem, yeah. That was... That's too bad. 60,000 fans going, yeah. going, uh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, gosh. So, thank you, Paul, for that very thoughtful question. Oh, here's one from Bonnie. Hi, Dr. Hoffman and Layla. I've been reading about cholesterol lately because mine came back rather high, especially HDL at 116. That's an interesting, very high HDL at 116 and LDL at 190. I've started a low-dose statin, but in my reading, I came across something called remnant cholesterol as a number to look at. Can you shed some light on what it is and its relevance? Remnant cholesterol. That, that, Is that like the VLDL yeah, and, yeah. and the IDL, the intermediate yeah. uh, density lipoproteins and things like that? And how is this relevant? Relevant that it's the so-called bad cholesterol. Yeah, yeah. The other thing that's striking about Bonnie is uh, she has an HDL of 116. When we see HDLs that high, there are two things that may be behind that. Yeah. One is the phenomenon given hypothyroidism, hypothyroidism yeah. 
but another reason HDL may also be that high is in the presence of toxic exposures, according to some recent research, which is also very interesting. And it's also important for a cardiologist to do the particle breakdown, the NMR, the VAPS test, not just looking at the LDL particles, pattern A or pattern B, but the HDL particles, especially when HDL is that high. Right. So it's very because interesting it, about the high HDL. There is such a thing as high HDL that's not the best kind, but generally right. high HDL is very protective. Right. So what do you think about these remnant uh, cholesterol? Are, are they just well, jumping on the bandwagon? of? I, you largely, it, I mean, it's a yeah. term that I don't really use, but... I guess mm -hmm. it largely is, as you say, VLDL and IDL. And how do you get VLDL down? You restrict your carbs. Because yeah. VLDL, mathematically, yeah. is one-fifth of your triglycerides. So let's huh. say, hypothetically, you have um, a um, uh, triglycerides of um, 300. Yeah. And you reduce your triglycerides from 300 to 100, which is very possible with a low-carb low diet. diet. And it's easier than you think so if you do it right. That's reducing your triglycerides yeah. by 200. And immediately your remnant cholesterol is reduced by one-fifth of that, mm -hmm. which is, do the math, 200 divided by, you know, it's uh, 40, Don't ask me to 40, do math. 40, 40, <laughs> uh, 40, 40, okay. po you can lower your yeah, cholesterol. Yeah. With a That's, carb restriction. Yes. Especially the remnant That's the way cholesterol. To do it. The so remnant it's, cholesterol. It's largely VLDL. Yeah. Very low density lipoprotein. Yeah. And I don't know, I didn't even know really so much what intermediate density lipoprotein is. IDL. Right. I don't really pay right. that much attention to IDL. Yeah. Yeah. So Bonnie, that's a very thoughtful question. Thank you for that. So yeah, her HDL one sixteen and an LDL at one ninety. Uh, if if Bonnie, if if you're an older person, yeah, that's a good, above seventy, that's a good profile for an older. Exactly, female. it's saving your brain. It's good for you, and because there's a you're going to live longer than a everybody. Flip in the statistics: women past the age of seventy or seventy-five, the higher the cholesterol is, the more likely they are to live exactly. long. So cholesterol is bad, bad, bad when you're younger, and good, good, good when you're older. It doesn't no. make a whole lot of sense. No. No. Yeah, yeah. So Bonnie, especially thank females, you for that. especially females. So, we've got another cholesterol question from yep. Judy. Yep. Hi, Dr. Hoffman and Layla. I wrote to you recently telling you my concern over my high LDL, which is 189, my triglycerides of 86, very good, So and HDL of 85, very good. Yeah, also good. Yeah. And my total cholesterol of 290. I'm 62 years old, and I'm on warfarin, uh -huh. which is Coumadin. Uh -huh. I have large LDL particles, which is the nice fluffy pattern A. I've had them for many years. Your suggestion was to get a calcium score heart yeah. scan, yeah. which I did, yeah. and my score was zero. Bingo! What are your thoughts? Do I still need to lower my LDL? Oh no, no, you were scot free. Yeah, <laughs> it's like exactly. So, but of interest is that she's got probably another type of heart problem or blood clot problem that uh, she's on warfarin. She needs warfarin. Uh, I or would maybe suggest, AFib. You know, do they but, give warfarin for AFib anymore? Uh, yes, yeah, yeah, they do. Okay. We less so now. Okay, because they're going to use uh, other okay. things. All right. So, but you know, for blood clots and the, you know, if you have a valve replacement or if you have a, you know, a, yeah, I, it's less and less they're using warfarin. Mm -hmm. Okay. So uh, good. a good point at which to pause to allow one of our sponsors this opportunity to share a vital message with you. So here it goes. 
This episode of Intelligent Medicine is brought to you by Propax with NT Factor, a complete vitamin and mineral formula. NT Factor is the only nutritional formula clinically proven to reduce fatigue, whatever the cause, whether it be age, illness, or just being run down. NT Factor repairs damaged cells, restores healthy bacteria in your digestive tract. Clinical trials have shown NT Factor reduces fatigue by almost half, and it even reverses some symptoms of aging. I've been taking NT Factor for years, and now the 45 day money back guarantee you have nothing to lose. To order, call 800 982 9158. That's 800 982 9158. Or go to ntfactor.com. That's ntfactor.com. Thanks for listening. Thanks for supporting our sponsors. Now back to our questions. What's next? This comes from Mark. Um, can you eat, or drink rather, apple cider vinegar if you were on a FODMAPS diet, a low FODMAPS diet, is what Mark means. Uh, it depends. That's a, that's a Layla question. Yeah, it, it, and it depends. It depends. Because apples are FODMAPS. Right. Right? They're right. fermentable carbohydrates. You're right. told to avoid them on right. a low FODMAP diet. Right. However, because apple cider vinegar undergoes fermentation, not just a fermentation, but a double kind of fermentation, mm-hmm. fermenting all that lowers the FODMAP mm-hmm. ability of that particular food. So apple cider vinegar is much less of a FODMAP break than an apple down. is. Exactly. Okay. Exactly. However, having said that, it still depends on the person's personal tolerance. Okay. Well, yeah. here's another dimension to that because hmm. I noticed that uh, really natural organic apple cider vinegars that are unrefined have a like a mother you know, yes, a mother, a yes, mother is like that a, cobweb. Yeah, that's, that it, that's, that's a bottom. Around. And you have to shake it to mix it up. Is that not a live culture? Yes. Okay. That's the mother. So, yeah. if the goal of the FODMAP diet mm-hmm. is to reduce bacterial proliferation mm-hmm. in the gut, could it hypothetically be that the mother in this fermented live food yeah. introduces more bacteria in your intestine, which could be beneficial, but could also contribute yeah. to bacterial overgrowth? It can. So because any time in the presence of SIBO, we want to stay away from those fermented we foods We even sometimes anyway. restrict probiotics. Absolutely. Yep. Yes, we would restrict probiotics in the beginning. Although, with again, it's, it's individual. It's right. really case by case. Because some people swear by taking the probiotics at the same time as we're trying to get rid of the SIBO, and it helps them. It greatly. helps to so replace it's, it's different for everybody. good bacteria rather than right. over... Uh, support the bacterial overgrowth. Exactly. Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. So, so Mark, it really depends. You, you should try some apple cider vinegar. You know, it's permissible. It's permissible. But you know, I, this kind of goes to the to the thing about FODMAP. The FODMAP diet is not like the Ten Commandments from Mount Sinai. You know, right? Like rules to live by. It's it's a trial of a elimination. Trial. Yeah. And it should be the subject of self. Like a little science fair project that you perform yes. on yourself mm-hmm. when you eliminate these things. And by the way, a couple of studies this week, uh, actually this, this year, uh, one in a population of Chinese and another in a population of um, somewhere in Europe, I think, mm-hmm. where the low FODMAP diet really did significantly alleviate symptoms of Mm-hmm. I mean, we don't need a study to tell us that. We've been doing it for years, and it really works for mm-hmm. a lot of patients. Not for every patient, but for the majority of patients. Yeah. Uh, about a 50% reduction in IBSD. 
Yes. And if you still have IBSD, Mm -hmm. consider taking Banatrol, one of our good sponsors. Oh, yes. Because Banatrol is very helpful for chronic uh, urgency, loose bowel movements, and uh, IBSD, Mm -hmm. the diarrhea predominant. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah. Yeah. All right. Mark, hope that answers your question. Try it out, but, you know, don't use apple cider vinegar in your coleslaw because cabbage is a FODMAP. Okay. Maybe you want to use that in your salad or mix it in a little water or something like that. Well, it's kind of a gassy thing, isn't it? Yeah, it's cabbage. Kind of, can be, yeah, it can be. Cruciferous vegetables. Cruciferous vegetables. They, we, that's the O. I think, is that not the O in FODMAPs? They have oligosaccharides. Oligosaccharides. Yeah. Which yeah. are complex uh, mm-hmm. sugar mm-hmm. Uh, necklaces. Right, right. Complex sugar necklaces. Great way to put it. Yeah. All right. We have two questions about ivermectin. (laughs) One is from Shell. Dr. Hoppen, we've been hearing a lot about ivermectin and studies that it shows it prevents COVID. What is your view of this drug? And if it does help COVID, should it be made widely, widely available? And then Dennis writes, I'd be interested to hear your thoughts on the use of ivermectin for COVID. What I've heard sounds promising, but who knows if what I've heard is true? Well, I'm, I don't. I will confess. I don't, I've not had any direct experience prescribing ivermectin because yeah. I don't have a big population of patients now with COVID. Yeah. Um, yeah. Would, if I were to come down with COVID, I would consider taking it mm-hmm. um, because the latest meta-analysis, uh, which was published, I think, in JAMA Network, mm-hmm. uh, it's a pre-publication, so it's not yet been peer-reviewed. And there have been some criticisms of it uh, because, well, naturally, I think there are people who, the battle lines are drawn, you know, when it comes to these things like hydroxychloroquine and ivermectin. They sound like renegade treatments or guerrilla tactics. Yes. And some people are partial to that, you know, these workarounds that kind of uh, push back against the pharmaceutical industry's uh, effort to make... uh, potent, patentable, expensive drugs and, yeah. you know, use, you know, cheaper alternatives versus the people who are kind of establishing people who say, no, we need, you know, these these very innovative uh, antivirals that uh, are, you know, going to cost uh, thousands of dollars per, you know, per dose regimen. Yeah. Um, you know, there's a sort of politicization of yeah. this. D- Dennis writes a follow-up email. Yeah. In my previous email, I was going to send you a link to a very informative YouTube video interview with a respected ER specialist discussing ivermectin. Yeah. But guess what? Now it's gone. Yeah. Vanished into oh. censorship hell. That's the other thing. The yeah. crazy thing about it is ivermectin research is published in very respectable medical journals, some of which says, eh, it's not so great. Others say, yeah, there's potential there. Yeah. I know it's no panacea, but it may really uh, help. And it may also be dependent on the type of patient they use it on. You yeah. know, with certain patients who are maybe of certain characteristics mm-hmm. uh, or a certain phase of COVID or a certain severity of COVID, you know, sub subtypes. So is it uniformly effective against COVID? Yeah. Is it the thing to take at the very beginning and it's useless to take it later? I mean, these are things we don't know. Mm. Um, mm-hmm. But it's also one of the problems with ivermectin is nobody really knows how it works because... It's not an antiviral. It's an yeah. antiparasitic medication. 
So how does it work? Does it change the microbiome? Does it work directly on inflammation? I mean, that's fascinating. Nobody really knows. But Dennis is really glad he was able to see it before the Silicon Valley Thought Police removed it for our protection. I yeah. this I mean, this to me, you know, I feel like I've seen a lot of things in my it's, life. It's criminal. And this degree of censorship and suppression by people who really are not knowledgeable is very frightening. Yes, it because is. it's a um, filtration of the information that should be available to the general public. Mm-hmm. Um, now, you know, it'd be one thing, you know, if they if if there were videos showing you how to, uh, you know, uh, have um, you know, uh, hang yourself while you're having an orgasm, you know, or like, uh, you know, practice. I can think of two people that died that way. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, I, I would say. Paradine and yeah, the, the, the singer of In Excess. Right. <laughs> Forget no, okay. but, but, you know, there's, that yeah. might be a, that might be a public menace is if you put stuff out there. Yeah. That is directly harmful. But the degree to which they're filtering information. Uh, and, you know, how is it that you have a prominent scientific journal which has published information about ivermectin at the same time that social media, if you put that up with a link, yeah, not only would it, would they take it down, but they might actually compromise your social media presence yes. and throttle Delete you down you. Right. because you're, you're, you're putting up a dissident mm-hmm. opinion. Mm-hmm. You, you will be canceled. You will be canceled. It's yeah. nuts. It is crazy. This is nuts. It's absolutely crazy. I mean, I think regardless of where you are on the political spectrum, I think we have to have a wake-up call. Like, what are we doing here? Yeah. Yeah, agree. Time um, for another question. We have one time for one more question. For, oh, let's see here. We've got one from Alice. Hi, Dr. Hoppen and Layla. Thank you for keeping us all sane while the world turns upside down. <laughs> right. You provide such great guidance to, to lead as healthy a lifestyle as possible. With vaccines in the news, is the newer shingles vaccine a good one to take? I have a very low white count and alert low A and C. Yeah, I mean, I I think it's a pretty good vaccine. Uh, it's yeah. much more effective than the previous vaccine, uh, the uh, Zostavax, which it has replaced. Mm-hmm. Shingrix is now the vaccine of choice for shingles, mm-hmm. and shingles can be a bad thing. Yeah. And, you know, I can't think of a really, you know, strong reason not to take it. Even with a low white count? Uh, you know, maybe that makes it maybe a little less likely that it'll take. It suggests that the I immune see. system isn't as strong. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, that's also maybe a reason to get it because if the, your immune system is not strong, uh, you could get shingles. And shingles can, yeah, it can soften minor and no biggie. But it can also be very devastating because you can get post-herpetic neuralgia that's oh, yeah. very debilitating. It is. So I don't think it's, yeah. um, you know, yeah. it, I think it's a personal choice. Some people prefer not to mess with their bodies mm-hmm. and have confidence that their immune system is going to handle come what may. Mm-hmm. But, you know, you're slightly at risk yes. in so doing. And similarly, you're slightly at risk of some adverse reaction to the vaccine. But I don't see, you know, as I follow it, I don't see that A, the vaccine's ineffective. I mean, it's pretty, it's vastly more effective than Zostavax. The problem with Zostavax is that it didn't really work in the very people it's supposed to help, the elderly and the ah, immunocompromised. Which is and cool. Shingrix does appear to work better. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I don't see 
a lot of really bad side effects. You know, for example, with the, the current uh, COVID vaccines, I mean, we are seeing, albeit rarely, but some pretty serious side effects. Yeah. And I'm not seeing, you know, to, to take a position like, I'm anti-vaccine. No. I think you have to be selective about this because some vaccines are more effective. Some vaccines have more or less side effects. I think Shingrix is pretty effective. Again, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. you know, what are the chances you're going to get shingles? It's not like there's a Shingrix ep- pandemic going on. Right. But it's something that can happen and can yeah. cause lasting debilitating side effects. Yeah. Alice, thank you for your question. Okay. To you. Well, I think that uh, brings us to the end of today's discussion. Thanks for those great questions, as usual. You're always prompting us uh, to dig deep and come up with um, uh, illuminating answers. Thank you, Layla, for joining us today. Thanks, Dr. Hoffman. Thanks, everybody. Radio program at AOL.com, the destination for questions. We'll be back next week with more of Q&A with Layla. This is the Intelligent Medicine Podcast. This is Layla Mutin, RD. I see patients regularly, along with Dr. Hoffman. If you require a nutrition consult with me but live out of town, there's no need to travel to New York City. I have telephone consultations with clients from all over the country. Please visit drhoffman.com for more information. And to set up an appointment, call 212 212- That's 212-779-1744. I look forward to being a collaborator in your health care.